born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Now, you read Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 16, and it'll talk to you about those people about 450 years ago. We're talking about, before this, we're talking about David's sepulchre. Because when they came back to rebuild the walls and so on. And then also, you'll notice here, it makes a statement in verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ the Messiah, to sit on his throne. So in the Old Testament, they knew, and he's talking to these Jewish people. He says, you knew that through David, through the line of David, through his flesh, God was going to raise up a seed that would sit on his throne and he would rule forever. God told you about that. And the prophets told you that the Messiah is going to suffer and be killed and come back again from the dead. He says, all the prophets gave witness unto this fact. So he says in verse 31, He, David, seeing this when, before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. Now, do you think David said all of that but didn't have a clue what he was saying? It says that he's seeing this. He saw this. He understood this. Spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell. Saying, this did not refer to David. This referred to that one that's coming through his loins. So that David, in the 16th Psalm, prophesied that the Messiah was going to come and to live and to die. And this is the one that God hath, by signs and miracles and wonders, put his stamp of approval upon this man whom you have killed, whom you crucified. Him hath God raised up from the dead. Boy, is Peter preaching a sermon. And I don't think he's too worried about how they feel about it. Now, I believe that when he went from in the one statement in verse 22, ye men of Israel, by the time you get over there in verse 29, he says, men and brethren. It's like there's a maybe a little different tone. He hits him upside the head, and then he's softened the blow. He hits it hard, and then now he wants to win him. Because you've got to get people to wake up and realize what's going on, and now he begins to appeal to them. But look what he says. He makes a statement here in verse 32. This same Jesus hath God raised up. There it is again. Whereof we are all witnesses. 
You see, throughout the book of Acts, it was always part of the message of the gospel, and they preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ, who you saw crucified, is back from the dead. Without the resurrection of Christ, there is no message for us. There is no hope for us. Everything we have and everything we believe all hinges upon, did he or did he not come back from the dead? Do you believe that? You can't believe he's coming back if you don't believe he ever left. So he says in verse 32, he says, we're all witnesses. Therefore, he said in verse 33, therefore, being by the right hand of God. Now he's telling them where he went. He was where he was and where he is now. He says, been exalted and having received of the father, the promise of the Holy Ghost. He had shed forth this, which you now see and hear. What you see and what you're hearing is not these men are not drunk. This is what was said by Joel in chapter 2. Joel the prophet. About God's going to pour out his spirit. And people are going to see and understand and teach forth his word. And here's these people doing just that. And so they were totally amazed. And he's explaining to them what's happened. The one that you rejected, the one you crucified, this same Jesus, God has raised him up. Shed forth what you see. He's already seated him in the heavenlies at the right hand of the Father. Because it talks about, uh, my Lord said unto my Lord. See, David could say, my Lord, that came from his loins, said unto my Lord. But anyway, look what he says here in verse 34. For David is not ascended into the heavens. Because he's, his grave's right here. He says, his sepulchre's still here. So he couldn't be talking about David. And when he says that, I will not leave my soul in hell, he says, he's still there. And he will not let my body see corruption. He says, his body did see corruption. He'd been buried for a thousand years. He says, this cannot refer to David. It has to refer to the Messiah. And if it refers to the Messiah, then the Messiah has to die and come back from the dead. Whew, what a powerful sermon this must have been. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there? And get this. Everything Peter said is not recorded here. Because it talks about, and many other things he said unto them. Uh, see there in verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort. So there's a lot of things he said that's not even in the scripture. Man, I, I'm always curious. I, what did he say? I'd love to have gotten the whole story. But I can't even handle what is revealed, let alone what hasn't been revealed. We wouldn't even have known that Enoch was a great preacher and what he knew and understood if we didn't read the book of Jude. Where it says, even talking about Enoch, he was a preacher. He talked about the Lord coming back, Christ, the Messiah, with ten thousands of his saints. Well, that's still in the future yet. Maybe not too far. But he saw that before the flood and preached that. See, there's a lot of things that the men of God knew and understood. It's not all revealed in the scriptures. But we're supposed to believe that they did know and they did understand these things and that the prophets did preach. And I believe that they had to be saved the same way you and I are saved. And that they preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Messiah. I don't have all the answers. I can't prove everything. 
I'm just telling you what I believe anyway. But look what he says now. Go back there to verse 34. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith unto himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. David said that. The Lord in heaven also said to my Lord that came through his loins, You're going to sit on the throne for all eternity. Therefore, verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel, all the house of Israel, all twelve tribes, and you ought to underline these two words, know assuredly, God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord, he's God, and Christ, the Messiah. Now, when they heard this, there was conviction upon them. So we talked about the confrontation, and we talked about the confirmation of the Old Testament scriptures. Now there is great conviction that came upon them, and it says in verse 37, now when they heard this. So it's not only a matter that they heard it, they understood. They were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we do? So now he gives them an answer. Now there's a lot of ways in which you can look at some of these scriptures. I'm giving you the way that I believe it is. I can tell you what, now there's a group that believes this, and there's another group that believes this way. Another group believes this way. But I ain't got time to tell you what everybody else believes. Because if I told you what everybody else believed, you might believe it. So I'd rather tell you what I believe. Why? Because I want you to believe the way I believe it. Don't that make sense? So in verse 37, men and brethren, what shall we do? So he says, in verse 38, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So then the question gets into, what does repent mean? Got to define your terms. Well, remember, it goes back to what they thought. They thought that Jesus Christ was just a man. They did not believe he was who he really claimed to be. Even though he had done these miracles and signs, they didn't believe. So they didn't believe. Now they've heard the message and Peter preaching the truth and Old Testament confirmation. Now what do we do? So repent is change your mind. Think differently. Reconsider. You rejected him. Reconsider. Think differently. And see that God hath made this same Jesus whom you crucified. This is who he is. Will you believe this? And if you'll change your mind and believe the truth, you will be cleansed. I believe the word baptized can be cleansed by the Holy Spirit. And if you're cleansed because all your sins are forgiven. And you can have the free gift of eternal life and you get the Holy Spirit living within you. Now. I believe every individual, now it does make this statement in the book of John in chapter 7, verse 39, somewhere through there, uh, where it makes a statement, he says, um, on the last day of the feast, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood in Christ, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, and as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, this spake he of the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for as yet, Christ had not yet been glorified, and the Spirit had not yet been given. But when Christ rose from the dead, went into heaven. Now the Holy Spirit is given to every believer. 
So when you trusted Christ as your Savior, and I trusted Christ as my Savior, we don't plead or beg for the gift of the Holy Spirit. All you do is believe on Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, Jesus Christ baptizes you into the body of Christ. So you are placed into the body of Christ. And that very moment, you become his child. Going to heaven whenever you die. And so, because you changed your mind and you believed the truth, your sins are forgiven and you receive the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what we teach today. Every time I talk to somebody, I try to get them to change their mind. I may not use the word repent, but I'm not talking to them about, will you believe this? Many times I've talked to people, and I was referring to it last week. I might have done it last Sunday. I don't remember. I was talking on the phone to somebody. And when I was talking to them on the phone, they, they said, oh, I'm sorry, I, I dialed the wrong number. I says, no, you've probably dialed the right number. I said, who are you ask, looking for? They says, Patricia or somebody like that. I says, uh, now, you, you, let me ask you a question. Do you know for sure right now that you're going to go to heaven when you die? And they says, no. And I, I said, well, see, there, you might have dialed the right number. Let me explain it to you. So over the phone, I said, now, let me ask you a question. I said, isn't it true that you've heard almost all your life that Christ died on the cross and paid for the sins of the world? She said, yeah, I've heard that. I said, well, then, if he paid for all the sins of the world, why should you or I have to pay for it if he paid for it? She said, I never thought about that before. I said, well, think about that. And so I talked a little bit more, and, and she trusted Christ as her Savior. And, uh, and then she told me, she said, I am so glad I called you. I said, see, that wasn't a mistake. You dialed the right number. Now, that's an open door. When somebody opens the door, you don't want to slam it shut. You might be able to walk through it with them. But anyway, look now in verse 39. For the promise, he says, is, is unto you. It's to your children. You see, the promise that was made by Abraham all the way back there, God would save or justify the heathen through faith. You'll read that also in the book of Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 8, where Abraham believed God and it was counting him for righteousness, and God foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And so God had made a promise. Everybody can be saved by faith. But the only way they can be saved is because somebody has to come and die on the cross and pay for the sins of the world so that God can keep his promise that he made. So God needed his son to pay the sin so that God, the Father, can keep his word. Boy, this is awesome. Awesome stuff. So anyway, he says, the promise is to you and to your children. And not only that, it's also to the Gentiles. The Gentiles is those that are far off. And you read in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, just take your, hold your place right here, but you've got to look at this. Ephesians in chapter 2, look what he says there in verse 11. Verse 11. This is a book that written to the, the Greeks, and he says there in the Gentile, in verse 11, Wherefore, remember that ye be in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. And the word, the Jews, call you Gentile. He says in verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. What Christ did... For the Jews, he also did for the Gentiles. 
And so that's why the body of Christ is made up of believing Jews and the believing Gentiles. Now go back to the book of Acts in chapter 2. So he makes the statement here, this is what you need to do. And in verse 41, then they that gladly received his word, they were baptized. And the same day added unto them about 3,000 souls. Well, what were they added to? Well, the 120 they already had. So you add, and then all of a sudden he said, and it was multiplying, multiplying. Some have estimated that the church in Jerusalem could have been 100,000 people. How would you like to have a church that size? I, I don't know. But look there in verse 42. Now, this is the communion. Because of this, and God's people believe in the same thing. And these that heard the gospel, they believed the gospel. And then it says, and they were baptized. I believe that after you trust Christ as your Savior, yeah, you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I do believe that, see, water baptism is a picture of that. Before Christ died, they were baptized in water. Because John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So they were baptized in water, looking forward to this baptism, because they believed the preaching of John. Now the Holy Spirit has come. Now we're baptized in water because it's a picture of what's already happened. This was going to, has. And see, they were saved looking forward to the cross, and we're saved looking back to the cross. But everybody's saved by faith. Faith alone in what Christ did on the cross for them. So he makes a statement here in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, a fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. This is what God's people did. And did you know that they did this every day? Now, if you really want to get into New Testament times, they met every day. So I can't handle that. I know some people can even handle it once a week. See there in verse 46? And they continued. What? You ought to underline that verse. I, I didn't make this up. I didn't write this book. I'm just telling you what the New Testament church was like and why they were able to shake the world. Today, the world shakes the church. Why? Because the world shakes the people. In other words, the world controls what God's people are able to do or not do. But you see, back then, they shook the world. And it says here in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So you've got to know the doctrine. I've had people say, well, we don't need doctrine because doctrine just, well, it's, doctrine is too controversial. And it doesn't produce peace. We just need to love everybody. So there's churches that don't have doctrine, but oh, how we love one another. I don't mind shaking your hand and an occasional little hug on the shoulder. But now, you got to watch how aggressive you get. Kind of like the person who was doing a little nip every once in a while. So, oh, I just take just a social drink. But the more he drank, the more sociable he got. But look what he says now in verse 43. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done, and you ought to underline these three words, by the apostles. Not everybody did all these signs and wonders and miracles. 
But it says, by the apostles. Then verse 44, and all that believed were together. Would it be great if in our time, when people trust Christ as their Savior, that everybody came to, together? So you can still be a part of the body of Christ, but you don't come together. So, well, I don't need church. God says you do. So you already have a, a difference of opinion. You have your opinion, and God has His. Now, who's right? You or God? Then if God says you need to do it, then you need to do it. See, Christians are at the place today where you just do whatever you want to do. You know, it's whatever I want. Yeah, that came from the 60s. Just do your own thing. If it feels good, do it. Studying is a weirdness of the flesh, as it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. So who wants to study the Bible? There's no fun in that. And yet, without doctrine, you will not grow. You'll not be strong. But it was so, the doctrine, the teaching, and then it says, fellowship, coming together, breaking of bread, and in prayers. Fear came upon all of them. And then verse 44, and all that believed were together, and all had things common. Sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. You know why? They believed Jesus was coming back. Right away. I don't need this house. But now it's been 2,000 years. Some of y'all are a little bit more cautious. And don't you hate the idea that if the rapture took place today, you left all that assets and all that money in the bank and in the stock, and the devil gets to use it. Don't that just break your heart thinking about that? It doesn't? doesn't bother you at all? You say, no, I don't have none. <laughs> you ever seen these old folks that are driving these motor homes, you know, and they got a little stick on the back? Being of sound mind, I'm spending my children's inheritance. Like the idea? The kids don't. I'm sure the kids didn't. But get this. And in verse 46, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, and get this, from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In other words, only believers were added to the body of Christ. Only believers are added to the local church. When you believe, then isn't that a wonderful thing? God's people ought to be baptized, and yes, they ought to be a member of a church. They ought to be committed. They ought to say, this is my church. My, part of my responsibility. I want to help and I want to be a part of it. But there's mavericks. You know, everybody just does their own thing. What if everybody was just a maverick? Everybody did their own thing. You couldn't even have the structure of a church. Nobody could vote on who, who's going to be the pastor. Who's going to be the deacons? Who's going to be anything? Well, we don't, we don't have no membership. I don't believe in membership. Okay, well, how are you going to run a church? Who's in charge? Who says so? You say, there's problems. Well, when you've got people, you've got problems. As long as you live in this world, you're going to have problems. You have problems. I had people tell me, well, I'd go to church, but the bunch of hypocrites over there. I said, there are hypocrites where you work. Are there hypocrites at the grocery store? What about, is there hypocrites at the gas station? Well, I don't go to church all the hypocrites over there. There's hypocrites everywhere. You might be one. I told a person one time, I said, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it. It won't be perfect anymore. 
You say, you're cruel. I know, I know. It's that old sinful nature that I've got. I've got one. Don't you? Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. It's all those bad things that we do. God loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. And He says that for us to pay for the sin is eternal separation from God in hell. God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. Now, to go to heaven, we've got to be perfect, just as righteous as God. Did you realize in paradise, in paradise, the Garden of Eden, how many sins did they have to commit to get kicked out? One sin. God wouldn't allow even one sin in the garden. And he's not going to allow one sin into heaven. Not one sin into the holy city. So you have to be perfect as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect. And the God says that you can't save yourself. You can't earn your way to heaven. Your good deeds are not good deeds. The best you have, God says, is filthy. How do you like that? This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. But our sin separates us from the Lord. So, Jesus Christ took all the sin, paid for it on the cross. Came back from the dead and said that if you and I, if we would believe, He did it for you. I believe He did it for me, and so He put that payment to my account. Peter believed he did it for him, so he put that payment to his account. If you'll believe he did it for you, he'll put this payment to your account. That means that you don't have to pay for it. Why? But he paid for it. You mean I get to go to heaven and I don't have to earn it? I don't have to be good? I don't have to go to church? I don't have to change my life? No. You don't have to do none of those things. All you got to do is believe he did it for you. If you trust him to take you to heaven whenever you die, God says he puts this payment to your account and he gives to you eternal life as a gift and you go to heaven on what he did. That's the only way you would ever understand Truly understand how much God loves you. He didn't put a price tag on it. You don't have to pay anything. Nothing. You can even abuse it. Misuse it. But you can't lose it. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, friend, I hope that right now you will. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward, but right where you're sitting... Would you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? He did. And God said, if you'll believe he did it for you, he would save you and give you the free gift of eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. Friend, if you're watching by internet, and I'm sure that there's many, right where you are, God does love you. He did pay for your sins. And all you have to do, it's the only thing you can do. Will you trust Christ as your Savior? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if you would trust Christ as your Savior right now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know because I want to know. And I want to have prayer for you in closing. So is there anyone at all before we close? Say, yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior. And preacher, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand very quickly? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Yes. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We ask your blessings on each one, and especially on the one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust you as Savior. We ask, Father, your blessings upon this ministry, especially, Lord, those that go for soul winning on Friday, because, Father, they're doing a great work. 
And sometimes it may not even seem like that. But when it affects people's lives and individuals trust you a Savior, their destiny has changed. They've been pulled out of the fire. And Father, I pray that you bless each one as they witness throughout the week as seeds are sown by heaven tracks or the Word itself, through the radio, the Internet, through the various ministries we have with Sunday School and Awana, the ranch, and just pray, Lord, your will to be done. Thank you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.